Episode 179, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 4, Episode 11, Wake Up! Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I am here to be one of your hosts who will be joining us on this journey through this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is a podcast about Marvel's cinematic universe. It's a podcast about uh, specifically and probably primarily uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series. And so I am just one person who is going to be going through this episode with you. I do want to note that I am speaking right now from the future because I am recording this after the entire episode has been recorded. And so there is a point about three or four minutes before the end of our episode conversation where um, we lost one of the hosts. So there's a kind of a jarring little moment there that's going to happen where uh, and it's it's going to be pretty noticeable. But don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, we're only going to miss out on one host uh, talking about one element of the episode. And we've got uh, Stuart. We've got Evan. Stuart and I will be talking about the feedback and Stuart and I will be talking about some news after the the sounder plays right now. And then we are joined by Evan to talk about the episode. The episode being, of course, Wake Up. And so I am just going to right now go ahead, play that sounder, and then we will uh, join myself from the past and Stuart from the past to talk about news that's pointing toward the future. Shield Intelligence Report. Okay. And so it is time for those news items. Agent Stewart, you are here. Welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm glad to be back. I got just a few news items for you. A few? Um, there's, well, there's like 30 here. <laughs> there's like 7,000, but it's really just a few. Um, All right. Let's, let's do this. Where do you want to go first, Ben? Let's just go in order what you got here. That seems right. to be the, the good way to go. Yeah, okay. let's do Starting it. Starting with number one, uh, Logan, the the movie that's coming out in March. Um, the final trailer was released. Have you seen this? The beginning of it. It's pretty. It's pretty fantastic. It makes me want to watch this movie even more. I mean, if you guys remember what we've talked about with Logan, you know that we're we're pretty excited over here at Welcome to Level Seven. Um, if you've seen the trailer, you will notice that there is a scene where a very grizzled. Um, Patrick Stewart is talking to a very grizzled Hugh Jackman Wolverine and Hugh Jackman's holding a comic. Well, the, that comic was made. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say he got that comic, I think from a very grizzled little girl. Who's... Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, she's, she's decked. Yeah. She's, she's pretty grizzled. Um, but that comic was uh, petitioned or, or co commissioned. That's a better word by Hugh Jackman for this movie from Joe Quesada. Hugh Jackman went up to Joe Quesada and was like, hey, bro, make me a comic. And Joe Quesada's like, I can't. I'm with Marvel, but we'll make a different imprint on it and be okay. So Joe Quesada wrote this book for this movie. 
That's very specific because think about it. An X-Men book and an X-Men movie? Hmm. We've talked about this, though. I know. But if you dig a little deeper, some people on the internet have thought are wrong. <laughs> they're wrong. What do you mean they're wrong? People on the internet. That's that's all you needed to say. That's true. <laughs> no, I saw some theory about that Logan could possibly be in the MCU or something like that because he has a comic book about himself or something. Well, and he does say most of it happened, but or quarter of it happened, but not the way this says in the book or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what? We've talked about this before, though. Comic books in comic books, it happens all the time. There's a whole mini series of stuff that uh, that Marvel did where it was all like the comic books as seen by the people that would be reading comic books in the Marvel universe. And, you know, it's goofy. I mean, the, the creators have come out and said that Logan takes place in the X-Men cinematic universe. It takes place five years after the end scene uh, in Days of Future Past. That's, that's okay. what they're saying. It, it, they're very specific in that it's in the future of the, the X-Men um, cinematic universe and they're the basically that gives them a lot of freedom to do what they want to do with the characters by, by staying so far out in the future with that. So it's, it's cool. It's I, I, I was glad to see, Oh, Hey, they, they do have a specific time period. I've been having lots and lots of questions about this and um, been wondering what the answers were. And I thought we'd have to wait until the movie uh, to find out when this was taking place. But this this all makes sense to me now. And it's a very interesting thing. It sounds like it could be the very last X-Men story for the X-Men cinematic universe as far as chronologically it goes. But Except when they reboot it for television starting this fall. Well, it's not going to get rebooted, but very <laughs> weird, weird stuff with this. So yeah. what are you talking about here? So uh, Fox has announced that they are having a new X-Men series and Brian Singer, the director <laughs> of one of my, I mean, now I saw this movie in the theater and I actually hone the original celluloid trailer from it. The the first one with the really bad graphics, um, the, 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 the rough cut graphics. Um, he, he directed the original X-Men movie, the one that, is the reason we have all of our MCU movies now. And he directed um, Days of Future Past. And uh, he directed Days of Future Past. I mean, he... Good grief. What is going on? He's directing the pilot episode. I mean, it's like Joss Whedon doing the pilot yeah. episode of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But this... I mean, you have Legion. It's coming out soon, which we're going to talk about somehow or another. I, I am not sure exactly how we're going to cover it here. It won't be every episode and it won't be like a, a new podcast or anything like that. No, um, but we'll talk that about it dope. here. We'll talk about it here probably as a post credit, like we did maybe with, with heroes, but maybe not as in depth and, and maybe not every episode, but we have Legion that is not part of the uh, X-Men cinematic universe, but this TV show is, it's, yeah, it's part of the X-Men cinematic universe and it's called, at least as of right now, X-Men is what they're saying it's called. Right. So what in the world, you know, I'm very curious to see how the the latter half of 2017 shakes out as far as our MCUing and, and Marvel 
filmed content is mm-hmm. going to be. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, now we it, have some. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say in depth coverage. If it's MCU, we're going to be doing as much as we can with it. We might double up episodes like we did with some Jessica Jones, but we're covering it. X Men Cinematic Universe. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we, okay. we can't guarantee how that'll work out. But um, Netflix has some tentative uh, release dates. It looks like Daredevil season three, Jessica Jones season two, and Luke Cage season two were all going to be 2018 and possibly in 2019. So we might get a stay of execution for 2017, Ben. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, we can only do what we can do, right? That is exactly true. Yeah. Um, but okay. So moving oh, from Netflix now, <laughs> this, this is an interesting news item for me. Uh, the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. So there's a, the Inhumans director, which is the TV slash IMAX, uh, offering that ABC and IMAX are going to bring us at the end of this year or last quarter of this year. Um, there's a director I've never heard of him. He's directed a bunch of, uh, fantastic action movies on a very low budget. So yay, go for that. Everybody's really excited about this except for Groot. Vin Diesel really wants to be black bolt and he really wants to do it on the big screen. (laughs) He is unhappy that they're putting it on, the bigger screen, but then on TV, I don't really know what he's unhappy about. He just, Maybe it's, he's unhappy that he's not going to make money. Uh, it, Cause it's so funny because it's, it's a big mistake. They shouldn't do that. If I had more time, I'd go over and I'd talk to them right. about this and, you know, right. and, and scheduling just didn't work out. Scheduling didn't work out. And yeah, Vin Diesel, he's, he's busy. He's popular. And he is probably right. If he were in the an Inhumans movie, it would be very, very successful. It would be. But it's not happening. And he has he, he has Triple X to do. He has Fast and the Furious to do. And he has uh, Riddick to do. And Yes. He needs to get on doing some more Riddick. Before he does some Inhumans. Yeah, that last Riddick movie ruined it for me. So whatever. Whatever. Pitch Black was amazing. Pitch Black was very good. Uh, Oh, here you go, Ben. I found this. I dug deep. This is the last one. I dug deep into the internet just to find this for you. Okay. You ready? Yes. You ready? You're sitting down. I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down. Monsters Unleashed series order. Just for you. Yeah. So that's a comic book series. Yes. It's, it's right comic now a comic series. book event with Marvel. And it's actually a pretty cool premise that there's a whole bunch of giant monsters that are dropping into the Marvel uh, version of Earth. And everyone has to deal with it. Avengers are fighting monsters. X-Men are fighting monsters. And there's a kid who has a, his power is to draw. When he draws a monster, it comes to life. And the monsters he's drawing are classic monsters from classic Marvel comics. And I haven't read second issue yet, but the first issue is basically, I think, setting up that these classic Marvel monsters like Groot used to be Groot would be one of those classic Marvel monsters. Um, These classic Marvel monsters are going to fight these new giant Godzilla type monsters. And yeah, 
I it was a cool first issue. I don't know if I'll buy it as a series, but yeah. Well, isn't it supposed to spin out into the Man Thing series that they've they've already announced? Maybe we'll see what happens with that. I don't know. Or Man Thing series is supposed to spin out of that. I don't know the comics know. as well. I haven't seen anything that suggests to me from this Monsters Unleashed that they really are going to do anything with Man Thing. So I I don't know. I just don't know. But the first issue of Monsters Unleashed, despite its lack of swamp monsters, very good. Very good. It had a zero swamp monster rating, but you still gave it a, a thumbs a thumb up. up. Yep. yep. Okay. All right. Hey, we got an episode to talk about. Let's bring in Evan. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Mission report. Okay, so we're back and we're not alone. We have been joined by Agent Evan. Welcome, Agent Evan, to Level 7. Hello, everybody. Or welcome back. back. Welcome back. Yes. yes. Yeah. So That would be the sequel podcast. Welcome back to Level 7? Yes. That'll be the 20-year reunion podcast. That'll be the... Um, yeah, the, the 20th anniversary rewatch podcast. Nice. Oh, yeah. It, you know, Stuart, we could do that. We could structure it like. Uh, sure. Like uh, what's the Star Trek podcast from there to here? From there to here. Yeah. In one year, they went through every single episode and movie of Star Trek in one oh, year. Goodness. Wow. 15, a lot. 15 minute episodes, one a day, mm-hmm. two episodes per day. And movies counted as one episode. Two episodes of television or, or filmed content. Per right, day, right. Two episodes. Included... Yeah. Two episodes of filmed content in each episode of podcast. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it, so if they did a movie, right, if they did uh, Star Trek, I think it was Star Trek two and three were together, which was very interesting. Yeah. Be, well, and uh, Star Trek, the motion picture was paired with the final episode of the animated series. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> Yeah, and so Star, Star Trek Four, I think, was paired with Encounter at Farpoint, the Star Trek Next Generation pilot. No, I thought they did all. I thought they did all the movies, and then they went into Star Trek: The Next Generation. They, they may have. They were doing a lot of stuff in chronological order by star date, so they may have done that. because um, yeah. they did Enterprise first, but anyway. That's the future for us going in chronological it is. order. It is the future. Yep. Yep. In 20 years, future? if podcasting is still around, it'll. If we're still around. Uh, <laughs> also true. <laughs> so, how you doing, Evan? Haven't heard from you in a while. Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm Good. getting over a sickness. I don't so... think any of us are doing great. Uh, I think yeah. <laughs> we're all just kind of getting over something. Um, but we're here. Yes. We're here. We're here to talk about the Patriot. And we are going to talk about the Patriot. And we are going to... Um, Wait, no, that's... Wasn't that... That was last that week. Was last that was week. Last I, made the joke about, I made the joke about the Mel Gibson movie. Oh, that's right. right. I was going to make the joke. But then that was last week. Yeah, yeah. But I'm allowed to get confused, aren't I? Yes. I guess. You're Absolutely. sick. Absolutely. You're yeah. a sick, sick man, Ben. Um... Okay, so we're not here to talk about the Patriot, but we are here to talk about Agents of Shield. Yeah, right. What What's the episode called? I do not know. I don't know either. Does anyone know? <laughs> this is bad. Title is "Wake Up." Thank you, Stuart, for your googling skills. Appreciate it. 
me and Sky go way back. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. So it's not the Patriot. It's Wake Up, which is wake what up. people are saying to me right now. Ben, <laughs> wake up. And I did. All right. A lot happened in this episode. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. There's a lot to talk well, about. How do you want to tackle it, Ben? I am thinking act by act. I think that's probably just the easiest thing to do. To do it. All right. Take okay. it away. So let's talk about the um, cold open. The cold open is five days ago. And we see the conversation about the bottle that Colson and May had. And then we see Radcliffe yes. talking to May about Ada and the Darkhold and that you got to destroy the Darkhold and that May is going to go and take care of Ada. And Radcliffe calls ahead, has Ada locate and activate the sunset protocol. And Ada knocks out May and dresses her up and uploads memories. And it's nice to see how it happened, but it's all stuff we already knew. Then. Well, it was, one... cool. it was cool to see uh, how May or Robot May just picks it up as if she was regular May. Just as soon as uh, as soon as she uploads May's mind into Robot May. Yeah. And yeah, from right down to the conversation that they were having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One day ago, May is in a magical place. It's a loopy magical place and it keeps looping over and over. And then we see the escape from last episode where May was running around and fighting and getting lifted up by the throat and then getting jabbed in the thigh with a syringe. And then we're into today. And May is back inside. And Ada and Radcliffe have a very exposition-y exposition conversation. And <laughs> basically, they, Ada's asking, why does it matter that original May remains alive? And we get the answer that we were wondering last week. Radcliffe says... It's calibration. If something goes wrong with LMD, May, we, we have her template here. Also, we're not killers. And we have a safety net. And Ada says, oh, you are referring to our other android who is now in operation. And Radcliffe says, yes, a second LMD. And so I'm starting to run through, run through my mind. Who is the second LMD? And my name that I wrote down here was Fitz. I wrote down uh, Fitz. I'm wrong, but that's what I wrote down. Um, you know, I th I thought Fitz too. I thought Fitz too. Did you guys catch all the subtle hints that they were dropping in the lines in the dialogue throughout the episode about about different people? But what do you that mean? could be robots. So there was a couple of lines throughout the episode where, uh, like, when they're in the meeting with uh, the stash. And Colson and everything. And Gemma comments to Colson and Quake that you guys, neither of you are acting like yourselves. You know, she says that. And then uh, when Mac and Yo Yo are in bed together, she's like, Your arms, it's almost like they're not real. So it's kind of like they're dropping subtle hints that, oh, who could be the LMD? Maybe it, it could have been that they were doing that. I. I didn't feel like if they, I mean, I didn't notice, I didn't feel like if they were doing that, they did a very good job of it. Um, because it just felt so, I don't know. The the dialogue in this open 
was just so clunky. You know, it was, and, and Evan, you and I, we've been working on, um, uh, some audio drama stuff, some superhero audio drama stuff. And I, I'm just thinking like the worst of the worst of exposition where, you know, you have to explain everything. And that's, that's one of the things we've been talking through is like, well, how do we show something without showing it? They can show so much on TV that we can't in audio. Yeah. And, and as they're doing the dialogue, it's one step away from, as you know, all this information I'm about to say, which normally in normal conversation, you wouldn't actually say out loud because the other person already knows. But since the people watching us have the conversation don't know, I'm going to go ahead and say everything out loud. And as you know, we already have an Android in the field and it's already in operation. Right. And yes, let's talk about that. So let us say out loud detail. everything that we need to so that everyone at home knows exactly what's going on. And yes. sometimes you just you have to do it. You just you just have to do it. Uh, but it reminds me going back to the Great Muppet Caper where Lady Holiday <laughs> tells Miss Piggy everything that's going on with all of her relationships and especially her relationship with her brother. And Miss Piggy says, why are you telling me this? And Miss Holiday says, it's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere. And that's <laughs> what we get here. Plot exposition it has to go somewhere, but it is so clunky. It is so clunky. And it's just there to drop that line. You're referring to our other Android now in operation. Yes. A second LMD. Like why, why does he have to, you know, why does he have to go ahead and, and categorize things? You know, yes. Just so you at home know, and also Ada, I mean, you already know it's a second LMD, but yes, a second LMD. Uh, this kind of thing drives me nuts. It drives me nuts because you need to have a creative or clever reason for someone to say stuff that the other person already knows. And this is not it where it's just, let's just say it. Yeah. It, it drives me crazy. He also said it very dramatically. Yep. And oh, I yeah. think now, oh, yeah. I mean, it, in, I thought it meant that they were setting up something for like a long term mystery, like what what Stuart was afraid we were going to get, like the uh, Battlestar Galactica thing where they were not going to get all into the whole thing. But one there's another Cylon out there. There's a Cylon who might be any one of us. And you just never know who it is until they reveal it. But no, it, it just happened in this episode. So I'm glad for that. And the mystery was OK. You know, I, I liked the idea of what they were presenting in that exposition, but this was not a great opening for me. Not a great what opening I found at all. It, what I found interesting and, and a little bugging was the idea that it, for what, four weeks, five weeks, we've had four days. <laughs> yeah. So each episode has been a day long. And I'm like, really, guys? No, I don't think so. But uh, I, you know, I can live with that. I can live with that. I don't know. It felt it felt very Jack Bauer. <laughs> None of y'all has gone to the bathroom in a long time. They go <laughs> when they're not on camera. That's right. They go when they're not That's... on camera. So and um, uh, Samantha sent us a message as well as we were kind of talking through things. And same thing for her. She was talking about how just this cold open sequence. Um, it it just felt clunky it felt like they were giving off all, all the information that we've already s figured out or seen which isn't a bad thing necessarily but it gave her some some frustration so much so that she left the room 
and missed the part where they talked about the second LMD. So when <laughs> when that happened at the end, it was a surprise to her because she didn't know she was supposed to be looking for a second LMD. Uh, she might be better off. She might have been, she might have had a better viewing experience than the rest of us. Well, I, I think that's what she was saying was she was surprised but didn't feel like she missed much by not knowing. Mm. It might have been I'm more interesting. If they were going to reveal it in just one episode, maybe they should have skipped that line or just say, you know left it at the safety net. We've got our safety net. And yeah. then Yeah. And then when Fitz does what he does at the end, it's a complete surprise. Because we're not even right. thinking. Now, at, at that point, even... I was still wondering if Fitz was the LMD, but. Well, the, I mean, I guess we're jumping, but I, I do like the idea that Fitz was investigating rather than um, cheating, <laughs> cheating. Yeah. And that was that was an interesting turn. So. I don't yeah, know. yeah, it was a good turn. It was a good turn. So anything else about the uh, the cold open here? I did like that it walked us through what they were doing to May. And if, I mean, we've watched the show for four and a half seasons now. We know that May is not going to do a, a, um, a day spa. And so that was interesting. And, and, I, again, I liked I liked seeing that, but again, it didn't add anything new. What added new for me was the the uh, what they did with her, like Evan was saying, that they you know they uploaded her brain and, and to see how much Android May knew, mm-hmm. and to see Android May you know just open her eyes and ask the same question she asked just before. Ada took her down. And well, it also, I like that. Also, that adds depth to whatever the LMD characters are or wherever they're going with them. Right. It, so we know that they're practically perfect in every way, except for the part when they get hurt and they figure out who they are. Right. But up until that moment, they're practically indistinguishable. And the other thing that the, you know, that stuff we didn't need to see because we already knew about the, the magical place with the, the spa. Uh, that was set up. That was set up, but it was set up last episode. And so all the stuff mm-hmm. with May where she's escaping and, and maybe we should just jump to May right now. Real mm-hmm. May. And just talk about real May and what was going on with her. Because I knew she was in the Matrix. Like, Oh, I didn't. I oh, did not. I was, so, I was caught off guard with that. And yep. here's how. Now, I didn't catch the line when it was first said where she knocked down the beaker or whatever it was and then gets the glass piece. And Ada says, oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the beaker. It was whatever, whatever mess happened. And Ada's like, again, and then she goes off and then she comes back in. And that's when it, it was triggered for me that she was in the Matrix is when Ada comes back in just as May is trying to cut that that strap. Then Ada turns around and leaves at just the right moment because Radcliffe said something to her. Mm. And I was just like, oh, that was just too, just too perfect. You know, there's all this tension of the blood is dripping and will they still think she's, you know, pretending to be asleep or whatever. 
which I, I liked the whole thing. I liked the setup with she's pretending to be asleep. I liked the setup with the, the broken glass. But as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, it's too perfect. It's too easy. And then I had no idea. Well, but last episode, they said they were going to do this. She needs a dragon to fight. And so when she's fighting Ada, I'm like, well, there's the dragon. There's the dragon she's fighting. One of the things the show has done very well is not that they, they haven't hmm, they haven't shown us exactly everything. Right. And so I thought that they weren't going to show us the dragon she needed to fight and that it could also literally. So in my mind, it could also literally have been a dragon because, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I with the literally a dragon. Last week when they were talking about that, I was wondering, okay, so what is the threat that she's going to to do battle with? Right. But this one, I'm not always a step ahead, but on this one, I was very glad. I was, oh, I am a step ahead here. And then, oh, yep. I didn't think it would be revealed the way it was, where it was literally, you're in the Matrix. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, it worked. It did the job. Yeah. And Do you want to... Do you want to finish out, May? You want to talk about where yeah. she ended well, let's, up? Let's finish it out because we have we see her in three places. And right. Radcliffe sums it up in um if we put her in some place peaceful, she's just gonna fight. If we put her someplace where she's gonna fight, she's just gonna win. Mm-hmm. So they have to find the place that she wants to be. And the place where she ends up, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I loved the payoff at the end when they figure out where they're gonna put her. And I'm trying to figure out everything that it means. But basically, she's on the phone with Andrew after the situation in Baran. And she saved the girl. Yeah. She saved that, the girl. That was fantastic. Uh, the, and that, that really cements her in as a hero. I mean, there's there's no... She is not wearing a touch of gray in her hat. Her hat is 100% pure white. She, yeah, that's where she wants to be. That's her greatest, deepest desire. Radcliffe was hinting at her greatest, deepest desire being Coulson. And we're going to talk more about Coulson and May, obviously. But this, to me, says, okay, maybe we're not going there. Maybe we're not going there. Maybe Coulson is right when he says, well, we're just friends. Maybe. Or maybe not. But... Uh, that's that's not her greatest desire. Her greatest desire is a situation where she's still in a good place with Andrew, and she's in a good place. The part that the, the place that really just pulled her down, her darkest moment, doesn't happen. It's like killing Bat, or it's like killing Batman by going back in time and saving his parents. So <laughs> Batman never becomes Batman. Yeah. Do you think so, do, you, do you think this will have ever, uh, lasting consequences to her personality? I don't well, I don't know if there's any way that it can't. I think when she gets when, you know, she finally gets out of wherever she is and and she's able to confront Radcliffe because honestly that's what's happening at the end of the arc. Um she's going to be very upset with Radcliffe. Very upset. Like if Radcliffe dies, it's because Melinda did so. <laughs> Sorry, that's one way they could take it. Another way they could take it is that this has given her the closure she needs. 
with her dark past. Now, I don't know if they'll go that way, but that's the way they could take it. They, oh, they yeah. could. I don't think it would ring that true, though, because at least un- unless it brought the closure she needs by saying, OK, well, man, this this has this owns me. This moment in my yeah. life owns me and I can't let it do that anymore. Mm. Um, but she can't get closure from a fake. Right. Uh, you know, a, a fake moment in time. You know, other than, but it can help her face her demons. Yeah, it might. It might do that. And if it does, so, that'd be neat. And if, especially if they do it in a good way. But so for me and maybe some of our listeners who have forgotten, um, the episode they're flashbacking to was um, episode or season two, episode seventeen, um, and it's called Melinda, and it's th- it's the one where we figure out how she's the cavalry. Um, and I'm going to admit something right now. I have not rewatched this episode. I just found this information recently. Thank you, Samantha. Um, I don't remember her if she kept if she saved the girl or not. So she had to she had to kill the girl. Yeah, she had to kill to the girl s- to, stop to stop the her. girl. She had to kill the girl. Yep. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. And that's why this is such a. a different moment and that's why this is such an important moment um well i can't remember which episode it was but in one of those episodes around in there they were talking about you just have to let let go of this you know you have to let her go and and here you have kind of the opposite where it's you know you saved her so now it doesn't yeah, I, I'm curious where they're going to go after this. Now, does this mean that she's going to end up like living in an alternate life where she's with Andrew, which would be great to see him back um, where she's not, you know, burying herself, you know, down in the paperwork area. Mm. Uh, this could be a really interesting thing they do with her. One of those things that you can do in serialized television better than an episodic, you know, if we're going to go back to star Trek, it's that idea of the, the inner light episode, where there's a probe that scans Captain Picard and like takes over and implants him with a lifetime of memory on a planet that was destroyed. And the way that they wanted to, you know, save their culture and their civilization was to send out this probe that has like their collective history. And so he lives out his life until he's an old man in the in the time of a day. Uh so he's not aging in real life, but in his mind he is living on this planet and he is creating a life on this planet and has family on this planet. And then when he wakes up from this whole situation, uh, he has those memories and that would be a really interesting way to go with what they've got here is if she lived like this alternate alternative life time where it is so, so different. And when she comes out of that, that would definitely have long lasting effects on her character. I feel like she's going to come out and just be mad. That will also happen. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I feel like she's going to feel she's going to take it as an invasion. Um, as a, as a, how dare you implant these memories into my brain? Um, I think she might take it as an invasion because it's an invasion. I mean, that's true. <laughs> clearly what Radcliffe is doing, he is looking at it as, we are going to, I don't know what his long-term goals are, but 
he says, actually, he says everything pretty outright except for his long-term goals. Um, he doesn't give us that exposition, but he says, you know, one life for a million lives, you know, somehow what he's doing is going to change the world for the better somehow. I don't know, but he's, well, that, that wasn't that his thing. He wants to get, he wants to get the dark hold so he can figure out how to give people eternal life. That's what mm -hmm. he said. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And of course we, we had the theory of is the dark hold controlling him now that he's seen it is, is he, are, is he making really poor choices under, under new programming? Honestly, like that could be a really interesting take on things is mm -hmm. if Radcliffe was reprogrammed, so to speak to where he thinks he is actually choosing what he's doing in the same way that Maybot thinks that she is actually choosing what she is doing, but she's just been programmed. She has May's memories with some extra programming that Radcliffe has implanted. Could the dark world have done that to him? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> So I'm trying to save the world. The I'm trying to save the world. But just because I'm trying to save the world, well, actually, I'm doing what the Darkhold wants me to do. And I think that I'm doing it because it's going to save the world. But it actually, it's going to create hell on Earth for forever or something bad and evil. Darkhold, the name Darkhold doesn't usually ring, you know, hugs and puppies. No, no, it doesn't inspire a lot of... <laughs> positive <laughs> feelings so <laughs> all right yeah so our a plot that's going on here let's look at act one with our a plot daisy's going to go she's going to sign the sokovia accords and she's going to go to the senate hearing kind of thing with senator nadir she's going to be there too and while senator nadir is at this hearing colson has a plan and Talbot, the stash, does not like the plan because the plan is to plant bugs in Nadir's office. That's Act One. Act One was really, really short. Yeah. Uh, because you know, then the other thing that happened in Act One was May was pretending to be asleep, but then I wrote dot, 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 or is she in the magical place? So just to go back to that, but it was really short, almost shorter than the cold open, I think. Yeah, probably. Because the cold open had a lot of re, re retelling of the same story. It's nice to see the um, the TV show, you know, support the movies the way they're doing with the Sokovia Accords mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah. Um, we see also Mace supporting Coulson. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, Talbot says, of course, you have to say that, don't you? Kind of just turning the knife in there knowing that Mace yep. is the face, but Coulson is the Solson. I had, I said Solson because Mace is the face rhymed and Coulson. Nice. Solson. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. It sounded a lot better in my head, but then it came out and, <laughs> and was just out there now. So there's nothing I can do about it. I could edit it, but I'm not going to. So there's not a lot to talk about here, but which, I mean, obviously we're going to be on Coulson's side because we like Coulson, but as they're talking about this idea, planting bugs in Nadir's office, 
and Talbot being against it because he wants to keep things above reproach, which, of course, Coulson has a pretty good retort. Oh, okay, so you're going to fake an inhuman and put him, uh, install him as director of S.H.I.E.L.D. But who are you with? Are you with Talbot or are you with Coulson on this question? Should they be trying to do this kind of thing? Well, it just seems I, I like would... a bad idea. It even seemed like a bad idea here in Act One. Well, I, you know, I'm torn because usually I'm all about being above board, but she is clearly evil. Like we're talking like Hydra level evil. So at this point, I feel like bugs in an office, not a bad idea. Well, and Coulson's the dad, right? So I'm always on board with Coulson. Um, it, it's it's breaking the law on, on, on one hand. And it's also like she, now I didn't think that things are going to go the way that they ended up going, but she's bad. And she would, she knows people know she's bad. I don't even know why she's there. Like that's really yeah. risky for her to go and do what she's doing. It's basically, them coming in and saying, we got secrets, so we're going to be careful, and we're not going to spill too much about you, Nadir. And Nadir's coming in and saying, I've got secrets, so I'll be careful. It's just kind of this honorable thing where we're not going to spill too many secrets about each other. But until Nadir starts spilling. But um, it just feels weird that she's even there in the first place. That's a really risky move for her to make. And then the whole, we're going to plant bugs in her office. Wouldn't she... If she's as bad as she is, wouldn't she have like armed guards who are in her office? Wouldn't she be worried about this kind of thing? At least have uh, some sort of bug detector. Yeah. What it she her character has almost zero motivation. Like I don't understand why she's even a foil right now. I mean I know we've gotten a little bit about her brother and how her parents died at, uh, you know, the incident or battle of New York or whatever version you're calling it, but that's not new. That's not pushing anything forward. So I'm wondering, I'm very curious as to why she's even here. Um, well, it's, it's the, uh, it's the couple from Jessica Jones, you know, like, yeah, it's, their their whole thing about the whole the 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 battle of new york was any super powered person in new york we're going to go after and and then you have this situation here where it's any inhuman like she is pointing all of her anger at at inhumans and it's when you really think about it it's a pretty thinly veiled uh, metaphor for racism the, the current crop of racism, especially targeted at Muslims and mm -hmm. targeted at, you know, okay, so these Muslims did this. And so we are going to you know build the wall or whatever, but it's a pretty thinly veiled metaphor that, that she's presenting. And, and she, she brings it up, you know, she basically is saying to sky when, when we get into it, um, are you going to help? Inhumans, or are you going to help normal Americans? Because you're an inhuman, and you know, of course, we get we get the the triumphant 
I I totally defeated you with my words moment with Sky where she says, uh, first of all, they are normal. And second of all, I'm going to help Americans, but then humans need more help. And we're going to be on her side with this. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Nadir is a terrible, evil, no good, very bad person. She's a murdering murderer who murders. And, and she is a different kind of racist. We don't have inhumans. Uh, but if we did, I'm sure we would see people like her in our world. And it's that whole, you know, mutant registration from the 80s. It's the whole Civil War registration from the comic book, uh, you know, series of, of the, I don't remember when it happened, but so I'm not going to give a time period, but that thing when it happened and, and it's now, you know, it's, it's now with a lot of the things that we're talking about with how do we treat these people who are so different and so other Right. And I agree with all that. And that's some of her motivation, but it doesn't feel, it feels like there's something left out. It feels like there's more to her puzzle than we've been let into. Um, and so I'm interested to see what that might be. I mean, you brought up the parents of the couple from Jessica Jones. If they're not, I mean, spoilers, they're not the bad guy for the entire series. I mean, that's somebody else with his own set of personal foibles and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And so I I just feel like if they're going to be setting her up as the big bad for this, you know, for this arc, I don't see where they're getting, where she's got a motivation for it. Well, we've got a couple of big bads. We've got her, we've got Radcliffe, and then we've got the superior. The superior, yeah. Which, which yes. is brand new now. <laughs> so Well, it's brand new a couple episodes ago, or last episode at least. Yeah. And what did it's... I miss? They <laughs> mentioned him in the Watch Dogs episode where she kills her brother. They mentioned him a couple of times. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. And I'm going to have to start listening to our episodes again. Yeah. And so, and then, <laughs> you know, I, I would throw in that, uh, that mix, you know, just the watchdogs in general. And again, yeah. the watchdogs, it's a thinly veiled metaphor and thinly veiled metaphors aren't necessarily a bad thing as long as no. they're done well. And I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, Stuart, when you said there's nothing new with this motivation and there isn't, we've seen this motivation mm-hmm. in this series. Mm-hmm. We, we've we seen that and we've seen things like this and it, there's nothing new under the sun. I, 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 this is when I teach writing seminars, this is what I say. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. If you're going to try and find something completely original, you're going to fail, but where you're going to succeed is what you do with it. And so that's, that's the, that's the thing you're talking about that missing element. I think if you're right, that there is a missing element, that that's going to redeem this arc. Um, mm-hmm. or, or at least this character arc anyway. So Nadir right now, she works, she works, she makes sense, but I'm not invested. That is a very, yes, I will agree with that. I will be on board with that. So shall we go to act two? Because in act two, we get some Mac stuff, man. Oh Mac- Yeah. Mac was supposed to go on this mission and he and Yo-Yo are being intimate in bed and he receives a text 
and it shakes him. And I'm really curious what is going on? What is going on? And he just tells uh, Yo-Yo that there's been a change of plans. He's not going on the mission and they'll do fine. This brings up all sorts of questions, but we'll, we'll get back to it. Because meanwhile, Fitz is studying Ada's movements uh, in the uh, surveillance cameras. And May comes to Fitz and has some questions about Ada. And this is bringing up some of the sci-fi questions that this episode gets into, which is really neat. Which is, uh, how much was Ada aware of what she was doing when she did the things she did? And this is one of those um, double entendres here, where Fitz says, you're not asking about her, you're asking about you and we're wondering oh does Fitz know about may but no it's just you're wondering if you could have done something different um and then they're getting ready to go on the on the mission and mac has requested personal time and then talbot questions the stupid part of the plan which you know talbot he's got some good lines He's got some good lines this episode. He always does. But they're going on the mission. They're going to do it. They're going to bug the office. So I think the big stuff right here is the personal time that Mac has requested. And then you get some conversations with Yo-Yo and Coulson about Yo-Yo's relationship with Mac and Coulson's relationship with May. Now, have you guys talked about this on the show yet? About Colson and May, yeah, yeah, we talked. Um, we've we have been talking about it, yeah. Okay, you're cool. not, you're like not listening to the show. Is, I am is listening that, to the show. Is that the takeaway here? Behind. This is the takeaway. I think is that Evan has not listened to the show. I'm an episode or two behind, uh-huh. and as since the two episodes ago, I had not heard you guys talk about this. No, we talked about mostly. I think last episode. Okay, um, but we did talk about it a little bit because the whole thing where Colson and May, you know, they're going to open up the bottle finally, and they're going to drink the, the 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 whatever it is that was in the bottle, and then um, Colson and May having their conversations, and and Samantha's biggest thing was you know, Colson's going to get more and more into this relationship, and what's going to happen when he finds out it's not really May, like it's a robot. That's a bad place to be in a relationship. Yep. So, um, yeah. So now is the time, though. I mean, Colson says what I want him to say, but then Yo-Yo says what you're saying is not true, and that's Colson's. No, not us. No. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. So, I've I've been calling this since uh, probably mid mid this season. Probably. You mean, you mean when Colson and May started like looking at each other deeply into their eyes? I From across the room, I can't, longingly. I can't, I can't peg it. We've talked about this because I'm against this. I don't yeah. want this. No. You always are, Ben. And I'm not always against relationships, <laughs> but I am. You were against Fitzsimmons. I am. And now you're against Colson May. I am. Wilson. I am. What did you just call them, Evan? Molson. Yeah, it's a Molson A. Yeah. All right. Or Colinda. Yeah, you know. Pick your poison. No. (laughs) So, 
No. I, I watch I watch old shows with my kids, and one of the old shows I watch with my kids is Felinda, uh, six, six million dollar man, and um, Felinda. Actually, that's the one that I'm hearing the most, by the way. But uh, six million dollar man and Bionic Woman, and they're brought in. You know, she was part of his series, and they were they had a relationship, and they had this whole thing. And then when they had a reunion movie, it was them getting back together. And then the third reunion movie, they got married. But third season of Bionic Woman, ABC canceled it. I think it was ABC, and then NBC picked it up. And so now they're on two different networks, and so they couldn't mention the other character for the final season of both of those shows. So they bring in another character and my kids hate Chris. They hate him. My daughter, every time Chris comes on screen, who's her new love interest, she's like, I hate him. I, I hate him because we want to see them with each other. And so for me, I'm looking, I see this thing at the end and I, that's why it triggers with me. This thing at the end with may where she calls Andrew. You know, and I'm just, oh, Andrew. Now, obviously, she can't get back together with him. But that's, you know, I don't want May and Coulson together. I want them to retain their strong bond of friendship. And I want Coulson uh, to go back to the, the cellist. Yes. Yes. She needs to, the cellist she needs to go back has long to the... since moved on by now. No, no. She, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'm I'm of a completely different opinion. So you ship these two? You want I them do. to get together? Yep. Why? I probably have been. Why? I mean, Samantha's going to answer this question too now, but why do you want them together? Because here's my thing, and this is a highly controversial opinion, but it's my strongly held controversial opinion, and I'm going to share it here. Um, I personally don't believe in being bestest friends with a person of the opposite gender because it it can raise a lot of crap that doesn't need to be raised but you can be bestest friends with a person of the opposite gender if you just go ahead and marry him yeah and so, i would say you can have friendships with co-workers and relationships with co-workers that are you know platonic i, I think it's possible it's not only possible it happens. It only happens. I have some friendships with people that I work with and I'm not going to get married to because I'm already married. But I mean, it's just it just feels to me like, hey, we got these two stars. We got these two stars. Everyone is pairing off. The entire main cast has paired off. These guys have been through so much together and their stuff goes goes so much deeper than just a plutonic working relationship. They are more than just work friends. Evan, I'm going to quote speed to you right now. Relationships built on intense situations never last. There might have been more. Boom. That. <laughs> that's 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 wisdom right there from speed. OK, well, you know, take the wisdom where you can get it. Uh, my problem with these with with a, a, a Felinda relationship or a May Colson relationship is not that they they shouldn't be together or can't be together or whatever. It doesn't feel natural. It feels like, okay, we're season four. We're, we're kind of dipping in the ratings. What are we going to do? Oh, no, it feels, it feels natural to me. It doesn't feel natural to me, but that's just because I don't want it to happen anyway. And <laughs> they've, but they've both 
fallen in and out of love with other people, met Melinda because her husband just died, Coulson's last love of interest just died, they're looking for other people, and they're already super close and have this long history in a relationship. They're already best friends. It's a feels like a very natural thing to happen to me. I think they're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> and I think that you got to be careful with that that rebound after you've lost that close, close person, and there's no chance of that close, close person ever coming back. Here's the other thing. Like I said, this is friends now. They've paired off everyone. Yo-Yo and Mac, Fitzsimmons, uh, and now Coulson and May. All that's left is we need to find someone for, for Daisy. Uh, and Lincoln's already and, died, but... Yeah, it's, we had Lincoln. You know, and so is it going to be Daisy and Mace? I mean, it's it's just... It's, let's take our cast. Daisy and, let's, and Mace. Let's, well, he's, he's cast, you know, so we're pairing everyone off. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be that, that way. way. Well, but that's what's happened. I mean, you could say you don't see it that way, but that's what happened is the entire main cast, except for Daisy, is paired off. So, I mean, that's just where they put us. And that's why uh, it's not necessary, not necessary. If it happens and it's done well, I'll, I'll roll with it, but it's not where I want it to go. Yeah, it needs to needs to stop. Is what it I'm all for it. It makes total sense to me within the story. So I'm good. Well, there we go. Well, let's move on to act three, act three, Daisy and Mace go to the Senate committee thingy that's happening. And we get a really nice little conversation between Daisy and Mace about putting on an act about everything becoming a performance. If you go into every room thinking you have to do a song and dance, then everything becomes a performance. And then they also have this conversation about Coulson and how Coulson believes in Daisy. Therefore, Mace believes in Daisy. Coulson nice. believes in Mace. Therefore, Daisy believes in Mace. And then Nadir enters. And she says there's going to be a lot of questions in this meeting. And Mace, Daisy, Talbot, they don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't understand what this meeting actually is. If it's just to approve of the Sokovia Accord signing, I don't know. We already had someone sign the Sokovia Accords from the S.H.I.E.L.D. team, Yo-Yo, and they didn't have to go through any of this stuff. But Did we see her sign it, though? Yes, in the mini-sodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. In in the mini-sodes, she she In Slingshot. Yeah. Maybe they vetted her beforehand. It's possible. Because also... I don't know. I don't understand. That's what I'm saying. Because also Daisy is – it's a very public thing because she was a wanted criminal and now they've come out. And I think this is all for the show and the pomp and circumstance of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I was wrong. This is where we get that conversation with Yo-Yo and Coulson about me and May. No, it's not like that. Um, that happens right here. But it doesn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. We've already had that part of the conversation. But they're going in down the hall. They're doing all the techie sciencey stuff to make sure nobody sees them get in yo-yo's snatching someone's badge and she gets in uh to the office and fitzsimmons they're they're taking care of the the off-site techie stuff and it's it's great plan seems to be going well and then daisy goes on the hot seat 
And that's where Nadir says, will you help in humans more than normal Americans? And you did criminal activities while working for shield. And then the, where's my money? Yeah. And then something gets activated in Nadir's office that throws yo-yo aside. She's, she's docked out of commission. Colson's caught. They're caught red handed. And we end with Nadir basically declaring that shield is a criminal organization. And that is our mid episode plot twist. Here's my question. Yes. Is this, or is this not being televised? I don't see any cameras, but it does seem to be getting some coverage. Because if it is getting some coverage and Tony Stark is watching this on his iPad and Coulson comes in being arrested, then we should expect to see Tony Stark in the next episode. (laughs) Um, But I don't see cameras. I just see like a really, really full room. Like it's not a secret meeting. It's definitely not a secret meeting. But yeah, I had the same thought that this is a very, very public place for Coulson. Yeah. And it's also a very, very public failure for shield. Yeah. It's a very public failure for sure. And you'd think there would be press there. Um, you know, it's still cameras, if nothing else. Right. No, there's Um, just a guy in the back. He's, he's drawing it. He's drawing the courtroom (laughs) sketch. He's like, Oh, who is that guy? Oh man. I just had the perfect composition here. And now those guys, I'm gonna have to draw that guy in there. And he does a really poor job. And when they show it on Fox news, uh, Tony Stark, he's like flipping the channels and gets to Fox News and he sees that picture that the Fox News guy drew. And he's just like, oh, what a crappy picture. And then continues on with his channel flipping. Yeah. Do you think Tony would watch Fox News? I mean, he's flipping channels, man. OK, he's flipping. Cha- I get it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I missed yeah, that yeah. part he, of it. He, he, he was having uh, <laughs> he was having Friday flip the channels for him. And <laughs> Yeah, and Friday's yeah. Friday actually agreed that the picture is really awful. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, there's actually some good points being made there, and the points aren't toward Shield's actual operations. The points are toward Shield's cover story for what Sky was doing when she was running around stealing money from criminals, and you know the idea that shield is a criminal organization. Yes. If everything they're saying about Daisy is true, then they are, but it's not true. So they aren't, but there we are. They can't help it. Once you start to lie, you can't stop. You have to keep the story moving forward and it grows. It snowballs. So you guys watch a lot of veggie tales to get that. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, (laughs) Was it the fib from outer space? Is that what it was? The fib from outer space. Yeah. yeah. It's Laura's fault. She broke the plate of what was it? <laughs> she's uh, very naughty. She's very naughty. Art Bugatti. How was I to know she hated Art Bugatti? Yep. yep. Yeah, that's right. So for all of you people who grew up in youth group Christian culture, you are right now singing that song in your head. <laughs> if you did not grow up in that culture, then you are wondering what in the heck are we talking about? <laughs> Look it up. I, you yeah. won't be disappointed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I really did. I really liked uh, the conversation between Mason Daisy 
Um, I thought that was a very genuine moment. And Mace has given us few genuine moments where you don't, where he's not wearing a mask, right? Where he's actually a real guy. Um, Last week had more than most episodes, but this week, this was where it was, where he was actually, you're thinking like, okay, you're actually like a human being and you're going to connect with me on that level rather than being my boss. Yeah. Um, And see, this is what I've been calling. You know, Evan was calling this relationship back in season uh, one, but I was calling Mace back in season one that he was going to show up and you, we were going to appreciate him. Um, okay. I wasn't really, but I have been liking Mace. season one. <laughs> I've been liking Mace <laughs> and now I'm finally getting validated for liking him. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I, they're, they're not taking him in the direction where Ben's going to look like an idiot for liking him. Instead, they're taking him in the direction where Ben actually looks like maybe he's a Coulson guy who has good character, <laughs> uh, character judgment. Um, in fact, I think Samantha even messaged the group and said something about how she's he's starting to grow on her too. So and and I'm like, next also. <laughs> yeah. next next week when Samantha's on, I'm going to tease her some more about <laughs> Mace being actually a good guy. But for the time being, I'm just gonna. Well, yeah. she she points it out. This is a moment of true honesty from from Mace and his facade is what kept me from liking him. The scene put a cap on the whole issue. Yeah. So there it is. This is a well, good scene. I mean, and Colson saw something and sees something in Mace. And so it makes sense. He would want to keep him around. And you know, that's good leadership right there. Good leadership right. is seeing past the rough edges, seeing past the things that turn everyone else off and saying, okay, I see the potential there, and I'm going to hopefully be able to grow that potential and and work through that potential and, and get it to a place where it's going to actually be a benefit to both them and to me and us. Well, and, and honestly, now Mace is on Death Watch. Sorry, he is. <laughs> you think? Because, well, because he's having some, you know, he's, he's, He's becoming unflawed, right? He's he's working out of his he's working out his stuff, um, and and he's you know refining his his image and and uh, refining his image. That's stupid. He, but he's he's getting better. He's becoming a more human being, human human being. And so he's gonna you know he's gonna die. That's what happens on TV. I thought it was. I thought uh, Talbot was on Death Watch. No, Talbot's never going to die. Yeah, Talbot. They can't put him on Death Watch because once they kill off Talbot, they can't write Talbot's lines. Right. (laughs) As soon as he's gone, they like that's just as a writer. I'm thinking to myself, no, no, I would never kill off Talbot because the emotional payoff wouldn't be worth the loss of Talbot's lines. Right. What did you What did you think about Talbot's? response to Coulson or is that in the next act or the next? Oh, that's in the next act. Yeah. Cause this, this ends with them being caught and brought in and Nadir declaring them a criminal organization. Act four comes in and we get, (laughs) it's totally like principal's office stuff. Yo, yo Coulson. Well, they're sitting outside the principal's office as the principal is talking to the parents and 
you know, they just got caught breaking windows and, you know, the parents come back and the parents are like, you know, they're, they're not going to expel you, you know, but you got to pay for those windows. And so this is where, yeah, this is where you get that, that reaction there. Um, so we get the reaction and the conversation between uh, Talbot and Coulson. And then we also get, um, uh, some more stuff with May and, and Simmons and Fitz talking about Ada and figuring out things about Ada and trying to figure out basically where's the leak? Where is the leak? And from that, we then go to where May goes to Radcliffe's place and confronts or may bot, I should say goes to Radcliffe's place and confronts Radcliffe. But yeah, this, this act, not a lot of action, but a lot of uh, commotion and, and a lot of a reaction to what's going on. Uh, actually, now that I mention it, that's a big thing that Coulson and and Talbot talk about here is basically Coulson says, Talbot, you react. You are a reactor and we are trying to be uh, proactive and bug Nadir's office before something bad happens and and to help avoid this, a lot of the evil stuff that's going on. But this, the, the main thing that's going on here is the leak. The leak. So, you guys yep. got anything there about them? I really liked uh, Talbot's I believed in you when no one else would. I thought that was really genuine. And I, and yep. I want to see that play out more. Yeah. I, I like this Talbot more than the, hey, crazy hair guy, bring me my vanilla latte Talbot. Um, see, I don't see a difference between them. They're the same guy. Really? Yeah, really. Really? All right. Yeah. No, he he says stuff. He is not an idiot, though. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Is he says stuff like the thing about the hair, you know, you with the hair and it makes him look kind of like an idiot, but he's not an idiot. He just doesn't have a filter. And he Mm. he's going to say things that might make him look like an idiot, but it's okay. He doesn't care if people think he's an idiot. He gets the job done. He gets it done well. And and he's smart and he's crafty and he does have good ideas, but because they come out of his mouth with some of the other things that he says, people, people underestimate him, I think. But he, you know, Colson says directly, are you the leak? And he's like, no, I'm not the leak. Shield exists because of me. Why would I be the leak? Why would I want to take down shield? I'm the one who's building up shield. And that's why he's so mad is because yeah. of that thing you just said where he, he, I believed in you and boy, did that plan go poorly though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they had no, a leak. Cauliflower. They had a leak. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that act. Now this is also where we find out what's going on with may in, in the matrix. And yes. this is where we find out that what they've been doing with her is that they've been wiping her memory after she goes through the program and they have to reprogram the matrix basically to make it, to extend it. And they can't keep up with her. She is going through the program faster than they can program the program and she gets better every time. And so she's pretty pleased with herself because she's going to get out. She knows she's going to get out. Eventually she's going to beat them. And, and, and Radcliffe knows it too. And Radcliffe knows it too. 
And there's been enough sci-fi movies like this to where that's never a good idea. Never. Well, but that's where Radcliffe realizes, you know, he he takes the he takes the judo way out of it. Okay. We're she's going to defeat us, so let's sidestep. Let's get out of her way and let's do this in a different way. And and they do, and that's where we get into the whole brain thing. But um Yeah, Act Five. Act five, we get the whole conversation with Radcliffe and Maybot about the nature of her life, the nature of her existence. And it's really, it's fun stuff. It's creepy. Yes. But it's fun stuff getting into these ideas of, you know, Maybot has to confront who she is now. You know, she's like, you don't know me. And he's like, well, actually, yeah, I do. I've been in your head. I've seen a lot and I know you and I help program you. And you can't tell now where your memories begin and my coding ends. And it was really creepy. Yeah. I programmed you so you wouldn't. She says, you, you programmed me not to tell Colson. And he says, no, I programmed you not to want to tell Colson. So, and there's definitely some questions then of free will and is she sentient? Is she a life? Um, just because she was programmed to react the way life would react. Is she alive? Yeah. Well, that goes back to, did you guys ever come up with a consensus on what you think about Ada? Is she alive or is she just programmed? I don't know. The show is kind of giving us. It's kind of giving us reason to think that she is not the. um, The the one who's moving things forward in her. Right. You know, and I don't know yet. They haven't given us enough information. I thought she was. And now I'm not sure. Because of the way they've changed it. So and they didn't change things, but they. They change presentation for us. I've been thinking that she, you know, after they, after the episode where they chopped her head off, it was my assumption that she was never changed by the dark hole. It was, uh, Radcliffe. And ever since then, he's just been programming her to do bad things. But But he's, he's fighting against the programming. He's programmed her to do good things. And then he scolds her when she takes it too far. So, yeah, so that's that's a great conversation, though. It's a good sci-fi conversation. It, it's not one of the great greats of sci-fi, you know, where it's questioning the meaning of life and what is life. Um, you know, for that, you're going to want to go to Star Trek Next Generation and watch the the episode, The Measure of a Man or that kind of thing. Oh, but yeah. but this this goes there and it is going there and it's going there in a very personal and emotional way. I mean, Maybot definitely is feeling emotions, whatever else might be going on. She's at least been programmed enough to convey emotion and have an emotional reaction or a facsimile of an emotional reaction. She's about ready to cry when she finds out she can't tell Colson that she's, she's not human. And it's very interesting that they go there with this. So the other thing that happens here is Mac and Yo-Yo. Yo-Yo confronts Mac. 
Yo-Yo doesn't want to be a part of, uh, be a cliche because Mac is going and seeing someone else. And then we find out that he went to see his ex and they talk about hope and who hope is. Now we were asking about hope from a picture that had a date on it. Um, and some of the ghostwriter stuff. Now we find out go, uh, hope was his daughter 11 years ago, uh, died after four days and tomorrow is hope's birthday. And she went to see his ex, Nicole, so she wouldn't be alone. And really to share some of that emotion with each other uh, and, and help each other carry that emotional. Um, I mean, it's still pretty raw, it sounds like, uh, for both of them. And yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a uh, if you're going to have a boyfriend go and visit the ex, this is pretty much the best possible scenario for that. It's a terrible, right, yeah. terrible situation, <laughs> but at least Mac is not, uh, you know, just going on a booty call or whatever. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he has a legitimate and kind reason uh, for, for going and, and visiting her. Um, sounds like now, I mean, he's kept so much uh, secret, but it sounds like now he actually has someone else who can help him carry his, his at least emotional baggage with that. Uh, Cause he's open up to yo-yo about it. So that's a good thing. I work with someone who is, uh, who's got, has had a very similar situation and um, we work in a place where there's a lot of public. And so you see um, mothers or fathers, you know, mistreating their children and he'll, he'll just turn to me and say, you know, sometimes they don't even know what they're missing. You don't even know, like if they're not mistreating, like, you know, severely, but like, mm -hmm. you know, getting tense with or terse with or something like that. Um, sit down in the cart, you rotten kid. You don't even yeah. know what you're missing. Um, and I can kind of see where Max coming from with that. I mean, thank God I've never had to be in those shoes, but um, I can see where it would be difficult for him to go out and try to save the world every day, but then realize he couldn't actually save his own daughter. So. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is something, you know, this is realistically raw because, you know, he's talking about it's 11 years later and, and that's, that's, I, it has not been an experience for my wife and I, but it has been an experience for a number of our friends and for a handful of our family members to have gone through this kind of loss, this, you know, losing a, a child in the womb or losing a child uh, shortly after being born. And, um, it's, it, it's heartbreaking and it's slow, slow healing. Uh, now there is healing, especially when you have people around you who can share your grief and support you in your grief, but it is absolutely grief. And it is, uh, you know, I, I'm actually, you know, here we are talking about, you know, cutting off robots heads and uh, doing Kung Fu, you know, in a, against a robot in the matrix kind of thing. And then all of a sudden here we are talking about a very real and very raw emotional place for, for one of the characters. And it doesn't feel out of place though. It, it works. No, it doesn't. And, and it, it gives some depth to Mac and it gives some depth now to Mac and Yo-Yo's relationship. It's also interesting that it's a, a, a real quote unquote real thing that could happen. It's not 
aliens coming from the sky. It's not super how super powered individuals. It's not like Nicole was in Harlem when the Hulk was there. I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah, they lost. Yeah. They lost the child. It, it wasn't. There was nothing MCU about it. That's a real thing. So, um, which I found very interesting. Yeah. Well, and that definitely grounds you and allows you to be able to empathize with it, Mm -hmm. um, in a, in a different way than you do with like Nadir, like, Mm so, uh, from there we have may and Colson getting drinks together. May brings him a drink. They talk about the whole situation. Colson admits he was reckless and should have listened to Talbot. And yes, Colson should have listened to Talbot because he may sound like an idiot, but you are a good reader of people. But he had a thing. I mean, he he had a good reason, I think, for not listening. But yeah, and then we get some of that, that double dialogue from May or May Bot where she says, we are who we are, flaws and all. And yeah, Maybot, you are who you are, except that you're not. But you are who you are. Yeah, I, I'm going to leave that <laughs> trail of thought. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's the kind of the cap on, on May and Coulson for this episode. Maybot and Coulson anyway. What do you think that's going to do the relationship, Evan? Because all this, all this relationship stuff that's happening so far is not actually May. Uh, well, at the beginning, it said they got it switched after the they were talking about the bottle. Yep. So there's the beginnings with real May. But yep, it's gonna, it's definitely gonna cause some drama. And maybe, you, maybe you even never some know trauma. what they're gonna do. We we always try to predict what they're gonna do, but then they always throw us a giant curveball. So, who knows? A lot of the times, I, you know, it's the tendency to think, oh, this is going to go horribly wrong, but then they end up spinning it in a totally different direction. So I'm optimistic. Uh, anything more here about May, May Bot and Coulson or May and Coulson Stewart? No. Okay. Fair enough. I disapprove of it. <laughs> Want it to go away. All right. <laughs> so from there, we go to Fitz confronting Radcliffe in prison. Now, the, this whole thing, this whole segment here uh, is they come in with guns and they come in to, as as Maybot is confronting Radcliffe, they come in and arrest Radcliffe and, and Fitz confronts him there and says, you were you were constructing um you you did this with Ada and and you're the one who's the leak uh, because they they figured out this is was part of Fitz's um, investigation like we said instead of his affair that he's having with a robot or whatever but um, Fitz confronts Radcliffe and we get some weird weird stuff like some of it wasn't you know Fitz saying I hoped I wasn't paranoid. And Radcliffe saying, well, these people matter to me. And, you know, Fitz's reply, you got a sociopathic way of showing it. But then Radcliffe is like, I loved you like a son. I was the father you never had or whatever. And it's just like, wait, wait, what? I did not yeah. get that from their relationship at all. If anything, I got like, you know, football hooligan friends 
you know, like <laughs> soccer hooligans. I, I, I wouldn't say that, get, but <laughs> well, I I didn't get father son for sure. No, I got comrades. I got we both yeah. are we both are sciency, and this whole thing with this artificial intelligence. Uh, now, again, I thought Fitz might have been the LMD until we find out some of this. this some of the revelations start coming out here, but this whole father thing, I felt like it just was a, in some ways this felt clunky, like a clunky way of upping the emotional ante even more mm. beyond friendship to, you know, so when Fitz goes and says liar gets a gun and shoots him in the head, um, we're supposed to have a more of an emotional re- reaction to it than, than we would if they didn't have this whole father son kind of thing going on here. I got peers. I got friendship based on common interests, not father son. Okay. And so that sound you just heard there was me making an edit. Um, so, but we just, uh, we've lost Evan for the remainder of this conversation. Uh, but there's not much more left in this conversation. We just need to talk a little bit more about Radcliffe and, Nadir, because we find out that yes, indeed, the leak was Radcliffe. He's working with Nadir, and they are now with him since we've had the revelation that Radcliffe was an LMD. And now you have to meet the superior if you're <laughs> so there's the superior again, uh, the thing that you had missed there, Stuart. Dun 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 indeed. Did you catch the Deathlock reference? They, mm. Simmons says we use Deathlock's eyes. Oh, that's we right. Got, the Deathlock technology. Right. Yeah. And the eyeballs. And so that's when she was yelling at she was yelling at Fitz, and I felt bad for Fitz. Yeah, you so know, fun to get yelled at by your wife. No, it's it's not. <laughs> it's not. Um Granted, Fitz finally came clean, <laughs> so yes. that's good. He's yes, yeah. He he had good reason for doing what he was doing. I have a feeling that if he had been open about that in the first place, it would have been a good thing. Um, that is always true, you know, because he had a the way he put it, he had a theory or he had a, a hunch or whatever he wanted to follow through yes. on. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, anything else about the episode? No. Um. Overall, I I, I liked it. Um. Because it's a shield episode, and yay shield. Um. I thought it was a little clunky. Um. But you know, can't always be winners. No. 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 Overall, very good. And the clunkiness at the beginning and at the end do not detract enough away from some of the good emotional. Interpersonal yes. stuff that's going on. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we just have two pieces of feedback. I think we should get into it. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Here it comes. Shield intelligence report. All right, Stuart. We are back. We have some feedback. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see. What do we have here? Well, do you want to read the first one or should I? I'll read, I'll the, read first the first one. <laughs> My voice is about dead. So let, let me read the first one. All right. You go ahead for the first one. Subject line, the Patriot and Mace photo. 
It's from Agent Brian from Dublin, Ireland. He says, hi, guys. I was assuming that Jeffrey Mace keeps his hero photo on his desk to remind him that he isn't a superhero and not getting too big headed. I'm sure he will say it somewhere along the way. Also, hoping his redemption won't involve the ultimate sacrifice. Just a thought. And Brian from Dublin, Ireland. I would agree. I hope that he does not have to pay the ultimate sacrifice. But I don't think it will. Brian from Dublin, I think you are also putting Mace on Death Watch. Um, You and I were on the same page there, buddy. That's not necessarily (laughs) a good thing. Yeah. Not the page I want to be on. There you go. Stuart, you get to read the longer one. Thanks. Thanks there, buddy. Welcome, buddy. (laughs) Okay. Subject, the Patriot from Agent Kurt. Now, this was a good episode and probably my favorite since the origin of Ghost Rider and the Good Samaritan last year. The episode was on the better end of the spectrum and had a lot of key aspects that make this show worth watching. Straight from the beginning, with Mace holding the press conference for Gazy, I loved it. The way it was set up and framed with Colson and Mac undercover, you knew something would go down, and you just, you just weren't sure as to how it had happened. It felt like a spy thriller set up from a film and more in one line and more in line with the kind of material I wish this show could do more. Anyway, I enjoyed pretty much everything about this episode. It had action, suspense, mystery, cool reveals, and moved at a swift pace. There was a lot of really good material in this episode, but the main point, main plot point with Mason Colonel Talbot was great. Learning about the origin of Mace's abilities and how Talbot not only had a hand in it, but also had the serum that was modified, that was a modified version of what Daisy's dad used back in season two, that was a crazy callback. I liked Talbot's reasoning for why he did what he did, even if his actions resulted in deception, being discovered, and heated exchanges with Fitzsimmons and Coulson. Plus, it was great to get some insight into who Mace is, how he is a good guy, and that has a moral code, but stumbled into a situation which he couldn't escape from. This episode made him more relatable and human for sure. It was also great to learn more about Dr. Radcliffe and his plans for LMD May, Ada and Normal May. Oh, and seeing Fitz still wanting to fix the other Ada was intriguing, but bad as his secret will surely spell the end of the relationship for Simmons. I'm calling it right now, though I hate to. Also, the humor was great. AOS has sometimes been hit and miss with its humor, though season four has been solid, and this episode had some great one-liners from Colson, Mace, Fitz, and Simmons, and, of course, Colonel Talbot, who had some great lines, especially with the coffee. All right. Well, sorry. Uh, well, sorry, but maybe I'm not sorry. Uh, seems like Fitz and Simmons are going to be doing pretty good. They're going to do okay. Yeah. They're going to make it. Those kids, they're all right. Those kids are all right. Yeah. So I want to thank everyone who wrote in. Uh, all both of you, I guess. Everyone is not usually the phrase you would use to describe two people, but I'm using it anyway. So um, thank you for writing in. And I do want to thank everyone else who is out there and uh, wherever you are uh, in podcast land, thank you for listening. We appreciate you uh, joining us and visiting us and uh, joining the conversation on on Facebook. 
And uh, Stuart, uh, this is your chance to, if you have any anything to say, any thanks you'd like to give, to go ahead and do that um, before I give the final word. The final word. Uh, this this was a pretty good episode, kind of like broccoli or cauliflower. <laughs> and you know, Stuart, here here's what I have to say. Um, you know, this is you know what podcasting is. It's just being no, ready. What's podcast? It's just being ready to uh, you know to take what's coming at you. You know, to quote Rocky, it's not just about you know hitting and hitting hard. It's about getting hit. You know, and, and keep moving forward. And what I've realized in my podcasting time with with you, and in my podcasting time with with Evan, and in my podcasting time with Samantha, and especially in my podcasting time. With you, Daniel, who will be listening to this in about eight months. What I've realized is that for me, half the time, I'm reacting to the steaming pile of fart pebbles you've handed me. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Yes, that's true, too. <laughs> How could I not say that one? You know what I'm saying? I'd forgotten all about that line. <laughs> no, it's, there's certain lines that as soon as they say it, you know, that's yeah. the final line of our podcast episode, except for yes. the post credit, which is most likely happening right now, because I don't think we have any <laughs> other plans for post credit. No. So we're post credit is just going to be us reacting, I guess, to fart pebbles. I'm just going to say one more time. <laughs> fart pebbles. And I have a feeling that the phrase fart pebbles is going to be used in the Avery household 100% more than it ever has been in all of history after this day. <laughs>